All right, everyone, this is Homeroom with Smooth. I'm here again, this is episode 12. Um, I have two wonderful guests on that I've known for like a long time. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna pass it off to them and let them introduce themselves. Uh, Hello, my name is Tiffany Bryant and I am the rib to this wonderful man beside me. Oh, that's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My name is, is Anderson Bryant, and I'm short one rib, thanks to this beautiful lady <laughs> beside me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, we are located here in, uh, in South Korea, uh, working for the military in, in different facets and two different organizations. So, uh, it, it'll probably be two different points of view, but from the same place. Okay. And today's topic will be all things education and children and virtual learning environments. And um, feel like we could have a little something to say. So we'll share our thoughts. All right, wonderful. So um, I think the first topic that we should start with is, um, so what is it like learning abroad? The teaching abroad, excuse me, teaching abroad. Well, actually, both both points are very valid. So as an adult, you are definitely learning abroad. <laughs> I think every location we've been to has been a culture shock. Every single time we hit ground, it's just like, okay, this is, this is a new place. Um, and each time we move somewhere, Anderson will be kind enough to get us Rosetta Stone. We are still not fluent in any particular language except English, <laughs> but, but we do try, we do try. As far as the teaching portion, um, I'll only be able to speak to that just a tad bit as I've kind of moved out of the teaching area and more so into teaching the adults on how to work with our children. So I'm a school principal at one of the bases here in, um, in South Korea. And it is a bit different. We work specifically with military connected children um, and what they experience each day and what they encounter um, in their lifetime is totally different from any other child that you will ever meet. So they have a different set of needs. And I know my answer right now is very generic and it's intentional. Um, they have a different set of needs and they need a different type of clientele to provide them that education. People that can connect with that background. I myself am a military brat. Both of my parents were both military. They were dual military. So I do understand some of those, those things that we'll see, such as coming out of a, I don't know, nine month, seven month pandemic and back into what should be a regular school environment. But instead, when you get back, you can't tell who your friends are because everybody's wearing a mask um, and trying to make that fun for kids. Or when it's time to sit down in the cafeteria, you can't elbow your buddy partner because you have dividers that are separating you um, at about a, a good three feet to six feet distance from one another. Um, but, and then even sitting at your desk, when you're sitting at your desk, you used to be able to just, you know, throw a little spitball if you wanted to, try that now, you'd be spitting on yourself because you're now encapsulated with your own personal divider um, on all three sides of you. The rooms are intentionally designed. Uh, we reached out to a couple of different organizations and found that one of the better 
patterns of how to see the children would be in a U-shaped pattern within each classroom. So that's what you typically see. The instruction itself is still the same, just not a lot of hands-on materials like, like there used to be. You see a whole lot of hand washing though, lots of hand washing and lots of sanitizing mm -hmm. and intentional breaks throughout the day for the kids to take their masks off because right now they wear their masks all day long. And essentially um, we have two, we have two mantras in the building, mask while moving. So that helps people understand, well, when am I supposed to wear your mask? If you're moving, you're wearing your mask. Um, and then minding your wingspan. So if you've gotten too close to a peer, just back it up a little bit. We've got about 750 children in the building. So it's a lot to deal with. And we are a pre-K through fourth grade school. Um, so trying to teach a three or a four-year-old the importance of you know, just kind of back it up. It can it can get a little interesting. Um, and then we've got after school programs, and those look a little different as well. Yeah, so that'd be my perspective. Uh, my the, the variation in the two different perspectives. Mine, mine is after school. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also during summers. It's doing holidays. It's doing breaks. Right. Uh, the organization I work with is is uh, with the base, but is. The programming and the curriculum is provided through BGCA or Boys and Girls Club of America and 4-H, right? So we do the programming aspect of everything. Um, if you ask the kids, they tell you we're, we're, we're fun land, right? So <laughs> they come in there and, uh, you know, we do various experiments. Uh, they, we do cooking projects, art projects, uh, field trips, you know, so things of that nature. Uh, also where she comes from the military, being a military brat, Nobody in my family was military. So just uh, completely different in that aspect as well. So uh, yeah, but a couple of differences there. Okay. And I think just rounding it out as far as the teaching portion, they've got, a, just putting the plug in there, amazing benefits um, that you just cannot take away. You can have a really thriving career in education. Um, with these organizations that are tied to the government directly. Um, so it, it's, not, it's not like wondering what you're gonna do next and how these kids are gonna get that next meal. For example, um, we were just provided a grant for all schools associated with the Department of Defense where um, breakfast and lunch is paid for. So none of the families have to worry about how am I gonna feed my kids? If you're affiliated with a Dodea school, then your breakfast and lunch is paid for during this time of a pandemic. So there's there's quite a few um, there's quite a few highlights whether you're working in the organization or receiving services from the organization. Okay, okay, great. Um, yeah, to, to add, I guess like even myself, I'm I'm a military brat. Both my parents were army, so I I have that perspective. So it's like. It's like I un I understand what those kids might be going through on like an outside of school aspect because I never went to that school like I always went off post but I um but to I I, I get it like I get it because sometimes it just gets stressful because sometimes both parents aren't there you know mom is wherever she is dad is wherever she is or he is excuse me um and it just it just gets it just gets stressful so I guess to to that point to shift um so how 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 do you how do you guys feel that parents can help their children learn better in in this in in a virtual environment and also in this covid environment as well 
um, because it is, it is quite an adjustment. I've seen um, a lot of different things on Zoom calls that aren't um, um, <laughs> that aren't good. <laughs> that aren't uh, PG. <laughs> So I try to remind parents that they are living with a little social, emotional, um, mental health box in their house every day. And if those three things are not met, there's not anything else that matters, period. Uh, it doesn't matter how many classes we set up or what content we provided for that day. If your kiddo doesn't feel um, ready for whatever life brings. And if they don't feel like someone understands their thought process and what's going on, if they don't feel like they can communicate and talk about how they're feeling, the pandemic is new to all of us, but it's really new to these kids. Like we can at least go back and read some history books and see that history repeats itself. Uh, but if I'm five, you know, who's gonna explain that to me? <laughs> who's gonna explain that to me? Uh, I just know all of a sudden I'm stuck in my house all day, every day. And I love being with mom and dad, but they may or may not be frustrated if I can't sit in front of a computer for oh so much amount of time. Um, with our particular schedule in our building, we minimize the amount of time within the computer. And then all of the specials activities are things that are supposed to just kind of let folks relax, let your hair down. If you enjoy art, instead of it being an art assignment, it's gonna be an art project. Something that even moms and dads would enjoy. Um, and we encourage them to all do those things together. Our PE sessions are live streamed as well. And so we ask the families, everybody come in there and, and work on PE together. We intentionally split the schedule so that if I have a, a first grader and a third grader, I'm not trying to get them in front of the computer at the same time. They have different sets of schedules and we were hoping that that would help parents on their end. Um, so some additional things once you've looked past the whole child on that emotional, social and mental area, then you'll start looking at academics. Um, and I think, I think parents are beginning to learn much more what we mean on those progress reports when we say, this kid is just absolutely amazing. And we're looking for additional resources because it's tough working with exceptional students. Um, and also on the other end of the spectrum, you know, we need just a little bit more support. Here are some areas where you can work with your child. Having that student all day, every day, I think is really causing folks to open their eyes of what their kids can actually do. And so we have since returned to the building um, and our kids are back in brick and mortar. Um, we have seen varying levels, no matter what their kids brought to the table nine months ago, we've seen varying levels of where we have to start initially with these kiddos. But if you are in a family that's still at home, looking at that social, emotional and, and uh, mental, also mom and dad checking your own social, emotional and, and mental. If you need to step back, it's okay, step back. The lessons are recorded more than likely. Um, if you need to send an email to the, to the teacher and let them know, my family and I, we just need a minute. If they cannot respect that, document it and make sure they're aware, but you move forward with taking care of your family first. Um, no one's able to learn inclusive of mom and dad without making sure they're taken care of. Um, so moving forward from that, a nice quiet space, if at all possible in your home, that is the hardest thing to find. But if you do have a quiet space and if it's not on the inside, it's okay to be outside. There were plenty of times I had faculty meetings and I was sitting out on the balcony. It was just good to get 
out from being in the house, but not leaving the house. Um, but a nice quiet space would be beneficial if you have the luxury of being able to be there and experience the learning with your child, not interrupt the learning, but be there to experience this with your child. It'll be such a bonding moment that you will have for years to come. Um, and so there would be times where Anderson would be right there with me as I was having those moments with the faculty and staff virtually. Um, and he would assist with making sure we had a nice quiet environment. Soul is our little puppy. Uh, and he can get a little rowdy every now and again. And so Anderson will make sure everything was on the up and up so that the what should go forth and what people should be able to hear and experience, they were able to hear and experience. Um, and then my very last thing, whatever you do, make your area comfortable to you and your student. And you'll probably want to have more than one seating arrangement because sitting down for a couple of hours, it yeah, you get tired in areas you didn't even know you could get tired. <laughs> so I would adjust some of that um, if possible, uh, um, alternating between standing and sitting down would also be a benefit as well. Thoughts on what you see with the kiddos and studying? My perspective, uh, a little bit different, I guess. Uh, I say different, but I, I see it. I see a different uh, side of it, not necessarily, you know, combating what she's saying, but when the kids were being an after school program, when the kids were not in school or the brick and mortar, as she alluded to, um, they would come in every day, uh, play video games, have fun, do whatever they want to do. We got our programming out of the way and, and then they had at it. And that's when they were virtual or remote remote learning. But <clears throat> once they got back into the school, we've noticed that we have fewer kids. And it's not necessarily due to being back in school as, oh, we're in school now, so we can't come there. It's more attributed to now they're in school and teachers are actually holding them to those standards that were previous or prior to being online. So now we're seeing a lot more kids getting grounded for grades, getting grounded for cl poor classroom behavior or school behavior and etiquette. So uh, I think that is what I'm seeing, just that, that transition of, of them having, because we, we got out of school here in February yeah. of this year. They didn't go back until what, September? Yes. Like the beginning yeah. of September, middle of September. That was when they, so, that's quite a bit of time, mm -hmm. and and uh, and you you lose for, for a kid, you, right? And we all, you know, not just kids, but we all have to be retrained or reacclimated to whatever environment that that we we used to be in or used to used to have and, and transition to. Um, so I think I'm I'm seeing a lot of that on our side, and then from a, a parent aspect, us being open even after school gives the parents, I guess, a little bit of a reprieve uh, because when the kids are in school, they're at work, right? So work in itself can be stressful and be whatever it is. And because we do not uh, close until 1800 or six o'clock, 6 p.m., uh, the parents still have that one to two hours, depending on what time they get off to go home, uh, relax and, and just be in their, in their own environment until the kids get back home and, and you know need to do homework that they haven't completed or 
are, are looking for you to feed them and clothe them and entertain them. So um, that's, that's, you know, from the, I guess, after school perspective. And there's a very large disconnect right now, Byron, um, mm -hmm. for, for our area, um, the Korea district was the first district in Dodea to go into remote learning when this all happened, but we were also the first district to return um, back to brick and mortar. Uh, and that was around the June timeframe, the end of May, June timeframe. And we did a, a very small, it was a soft start to see, you know, what were we going to need to do? How we're going to need to get things done kind of gave us an, you know, an overview. Um, and we worked by grade level, whereas come September, it was the entire school right there in your face all in one day. Um, I am grateful to the work that this country has done to minimize, um, just to minimize the exposure. It's, it's, it's amazing to watch. It's amazing to live in and experience. And right now, I don't know that I'd want to be any other location in the world. Um, it, it's, it's, it, it, there's a level of safety. It's a, now it's a, it's a, it's a safety that you put in your own head, but there is a level of safety knowing that the person beside you, whether they want to be responsible or not, they're accounted for being responsible. And if they are not, there are consequences for that adult. If they choose to decide to exercise whatever claim of rights that we say we have with a mask, um, there are no rights. You just do it. <laughs> basically, you're held responsible for being irresponsible. And I mean, very held responsible. We've got folks that are going to jail for not following the protocols. And, and it goes in the news. Like we get to see in the news that, okay, well, so-and-so refused or don't break quarantine. Go ahead and break quarantine if you want to. And they're going to kindly quarantine you in Korean prison. And you're not going to break nothing else. Like, um, it, it is a very strong mindset that you will do as asked. So it's not so much that they're telling you. They, they politely ask you, put your stuff on. And, and then you make a decision. And you if you make a decision to not do as asked, there are consequences that go along with it. Because for some of the listeners, you know, if you're listening to this, as I am objectively, as she's saying this, you know, you, you may have some people go, man, that's sounds communist or whatever. Let me put that. It is not. Uh, let, let's start right there because, you know, we want to stop that right here in the tracks. But people here, the, the, the Korean citizens, want to do it. They want to be safe. When the, when the government asks politely, they just do it. We, again, we, we don't really speak the language, right? But we have, we're around enough people that, that speak the language and will tell us what's going on. But you don't hear society here complaining about it. You know, uh, where whereas we do that, you know, back home in the in the states, it's well, you you can't tell me, or I don't I don't want to, or, and all of that stuff. Here, it's uh, they're asked, and and people do. But the biggest deal here is they were already wearing masks prior to COVID in the first place. That was a cultural norm, and it mainly came from air quality. That's a whole other conversation. Um, so mask was already the norm prior to anything dealing with COVID, then it had to be asked due to COVID. But you'll walk around and see some really entertaining masks, um, but it is definitely the norm. So when the globe ran out of masks and nobody could find anything, that wasn't something that we had to deal with here because <laughs> it was already the norm. Mm -hmm. um, when folks were running out and looking for food and couldn't find, 
we didn't have that issue on base, nor do we have it in the local economy. <laughs> People were respectful and responsible, realizing that this stuff has got to go around for everybody. Um, and when they did put in the lockdown, guess what? We all locked this thing down. I mean, <laughs> all the way around. Nobody ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can vividly remember I was rationing my own toilet paper. <laughs> I was Did you like, have to fly no. and you were separating the pieces? <laughs> I, I literally, every time I went in, there was none. I literally, someone had to tell me there was like a, um, what is that, a save a lot or, or budget save, mm -hmm. whatever that is. And I had to go like 15 miles outside of town. <laughs> To go to this one save a lot just to get toilet paper. <laughs> I, I had to, like, as soon as I seen my friend with toilet paper, I said, Where, where, where are you? <laughs> and, and so I, I guess, you know, because we're talking about COVID, and anybody who's watching this video, please post in the comments where you uh, got the notion or, or heard that you needed toilet paper to prevent COVID <laughs> or anything dealing with bowels had anything to do. I would love to know. So, so please, you know, post in the comments, uh, you know, where, where you got that info maybe that, you, they were, that you had to have toilet Maybe paper. they were prepping to make their mask. With toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. with toilet okay. paper. You can make a mask out of toilet paper. You have bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. I don't, okay. I don't know. I'm just trying. Because <laughs> that toilet paper fiasco was hilarious from the other side of the world. It's, especially when you hear somebody ask you in Korean about why, why in the States are they getting toilet paper <laughs> and you can't answer that. Yeah. We didn't even have a toilet paper crisis on base. Like there was nothing dealing with toilet paper. I, we didn't understand that. Yeah. Like even, even, even on base here, we ran out of toilet paper, like literally like I, and, and wipes too. Like there wasn't an option of, I was like, well, let me get baby wipes. No, there were no baby <laughs> wipes. I'm like, what about the babies? Anything. <laughs> 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 No baby can't even get wipes now. <laughs> I think the only thing that was left in a baby all was formula. That was it. Wow. That's the only thing that was left was formula. They eventually had to put a rule on meat, toilet paper, paper towels. Because people bought paper towels once the toilet paper ran out. Because I guess you got to do something if you can't have toilet paper. Guess you're using paper towel. <laughs> so. So they, they, that's what we can't, that's what it came down to. And they had to put limits up on everything. You will only buy one of this item. And, and literally every, every major chain here had to do it because people were just out of hand. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that we would see online and in the news, it was really hard to fathom and process. Um, we just didn't see that. We saw a lot of things, but we didn't see that. And it was really hard to believe. So when the news articles would come out from areas here, it would just kind of be like, these people aren't making up these stories and they don't understand it. And I'm, I belong to that country and I don't understand it either. Like, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't have to be that way. But I think we've kind of ran off on a totally different topic and that was not intentional, but, um, yeah. yeah, that was an interesting experience. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah. Um, oh, one quick fun fact. Um, if you, the average human being only uses 54, 50, about 50 rolls of toilet paper a year. 
So all those people with hundreds of roles, you're good for a while now. Jump <laughs> <laughs> in that gym. Um, so I guess the next thing would be, um, um, well, we kind of dived into it, but I guess more explicitly, like, like virtual, like virtual education. When that, when that happened, what, what did, what was the first hurdles with that transition? When we transition, when you guys transitioned into that. Well, let me let me start because for for us when we first went for the after school program, uh, we didn't have any work at all. <laughs> so we were able to. Uh, we had the ability, we were blessed to be able to, you know, stay at home and uh, watch our spouses who were in education <laughs> toil and work tirelessly <laughs> as we Netflix. <laughs> Bless his name. You know? uh, so yeah, I, I'm done with that. Look, I'm my part is finished. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> So for the rest of us who actually had to continue providing a service during that time frame, it was, it was absolute toil because there's an area in every, um, any, anyone's program in education that talks about technology. And more than likely across the board, looking at the research from accredited schools, technology is one of the lower areas um, of usage and implementation within a school building. And so sure enough, that whole technology, those scores needed to go up overnight. You had educators that didn't know how to do certain things, how to use a VPN, how to find a particular site online. And if I don't know how to use it myself, how do I teach someone else to use it and then explain it? And I'm not explaining it to a five-year-old, I'm trying to explain it to the adult that's in control of logging onto the computer at home. Then it went into, well, we don't have enough computers. So as a school, we had, as a system, we went and we provided the computers that were in the school to families at home. Um, and we started with Chromebooks. So if they were used to using a Mac, if they were used to using um, a PC, now you stick a Chromebook in my face, what am I doing with this? How do I just control, I'll delete, how do I? I mean, it was just absolute chaos. Um, there had to be an accountability for every single laptop and or device that went out of our building. There were so many forms that had to be signed. Um, you wanted to make sure they had the carrying case and God forbid they forget the power cord. And Lord, if they closed the laptop and didn't leave it on, then they'd have to come back to the school to get back on the network in order to get back on. It was a huge learning curve. I mean, huge learning curve for, um, for everybody, for absolutely everybody. And then um, between building websites, because that's where we start as an organization, we literally had to build websites in order to push out an online learning program. So um, our organization does have a virtual school, but it is for uh, high schoolers um, and, and those of that age range. It is certainly not for elementary school. So there was nothing out there for us um, to help us navigate through a whole online learning environment. But the staff that I work with, they're just amazing. And they went leaps, bounds, and they just went leaps and bounds beyond what needed to be done. Um, I wouldn't have worked, I wouldn't have wanted to work with another staff. I can tell you that much because it was hectic. But anything that they tried and anything that they showed me, I would do as well as the leader. One, because I needed to know it. Two, if I had parents that had questions, I needed to be able to tell them, this is how you navigate through this. 
Since then, the organization as a whole has determined that we will use just one platform to put out instruction to families. And that's been really helpful. That helps parents all the way around. Okay, this one platform, whether I got a high schooler or an elementary kid, um, I know how to use this platform. And that's been really, really beneficial. But it was a massive undertaking Again, creating schedules because we started with every teacher had their own schedule and they just need to make sure they had office hours and instructional time. Some were teaching kids for four hours a day, which is just way too much time in front of the computer. Um, and they didn't realize they were teaching them for four hours a day. So that means if I'm with my regular classroom teacher, if I receive any type of special services, then I've got another hour or two with them. If I go to specials like PE, um, PE or art, that's another hour there. And before we knew it, they were in front of the computer all day long. And so um, <laughs> eventually some policies and procedures had to come out to tell us what we could do or what we couldn't do, so on and so forth. And I think that really, really helped a lot. But our technology skills we learned were very low um, and we needed to pick them up overnight and learn some stuff about how to best support these children. And many times the kids were teaching us stuff on things that we could use. And that was helpful as well. But it certainly was not as easy as uh, logging in and creating an account on TikTok um, uh, or Facebook or Twitter. It, it was not that. We were literally building websites and I don't have any IT designers on, <laughs> on staff. So it was, it was an undertaking. Okay. Hmm. Um, what was I going to say? There's something I was going to say. No, I don't. No, 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 no. I, I have nothing. I have nothing. I have nothing because I, I guess for me, I couldn't imagine being in that environment because I, I went through a course for a week, just one week, one week, virtually one week. And I said, if, if this is what kids have to do every day, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I'll, I'll come back when I can see you in person. And if I can't look the teacher in the eye and just ask my question, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> and, and that's where we are, Byron. And there's a, a huge trust factor that's happening now. So even though we're in brick and mortar, you just mentioned looking the teacher in the eye. The only way you're going to look our teachers in the eye is if you ask them to come outside. Because no one can come in the building other than faculty and staff and the children. So that trust factor and that customer service with our parents, it's, 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 it's bigger now than it has ever been in the past. Mm -hmm. um, it is a mitigating measure that we've implemented and the parents are not allowed to go past our front office. Um, we have a foyer that has uh, doors, like literally you can't get past the front office. Mm -hmm. um, I'm grateful for that level of security. Didn't know we would ever need it. We don't typically use it for that reason. Um, the doors are wide open and the parents have been polite enough to just watch their student walk on in. There are kids, because we're talking about, we've only, we've only gotten through maybe two, two full weeks of school, five days to, you know, a total of 10 days of school because we've been out for parent-teacher conferences or holidays <laughs> or something of that nature. And in 10 days, it feels like we have been in school for five months. I mean, I, you talk about some worn out people. We are worn out. And I don't know how we're going to keep this momentum, um, but we're not worn out due to the kids. We're worn out just kind of working on, again, those mitigating measures and really following them and implementing them with fidelity. Um, so trying to explain to a parent why they can't go and have lunch with their baby today 
it can be that one adult that comes into that cafeteria. One, we don't have enough room for anybody else at this point when you put your mitigating measures in. But that one adult could be the one person that passes it to the very next person without them knowing it. And then we've got a bunch of contract tracing for a whole bunch of kids. It, it's just, it's not worth it. Um, so here there is a contractual agreement that the parents will do a screening prior to bringing their children into school um, each morning, two hours before the day starts. Well, our day starts at 7.10. So, I mean, they've got, these kids have got to be up and about and moving, um, but the parents have agreed to that contract. And then the staff has, have also agreed to the same contract that we'll check our temperatures in the morning, check our symptoms in the morning, um, and we send that information over. Uh, before that contract idea came into place, we were literally taking temperatures of kids as they walked through the door um, and just checking symptoms. And it was every single student. I've got, I've got video and I have my own photos of me taking temperatures um, because not everyone lived on base. So, or I, I'm sorry, not everyone lived off post. At the time we were under health protection conditions, which was a level C. So when you came on post before you could ever get past the gate, you had to have your temperature check, answer a series of questions. Those yeah. questions went from sometimes three <laughs> questions to 10 questions. Some days it was like 15 and they would read off all the symptoms and ask you, did you have any of me? Just like, Lord, it sounds like living. Yes, I'm alive. That I am alive. Yeah. Um, but don't, and so between that and then they would check your card and then you were able to go through. So every single person in every vehicle had to go through that, that check, but people who lived on base did not. So you couldn't just say, well, everybody that comes on base, they got checked anyway. We work with the majority of kids who are on post already. So we, we still move forward with doing the temperature checks when they came to the building. Um, eventually got really good at it and it was quite fast, but it was just one grade level, not the entire school at once. So um, I'm grateful that we don't have to do that anymore. Because I thought you were saying 750 temperature checks. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, don't sign me up for that job. <laughs> you know, the best part of the mask wearing that I can see right now is uh, when a baby walks past you and all of this section is wet and you don't know why it's wet. You just be like, all right, let me move. <laughs> that is the best part of my day. Um, yeah, the, the masks are very interesting, but the kids... I don't know, for the majority of them, it's almost like an additional sense of security. Children like to be, you remember when you were younger and making these little tunnels and, and, and being under the covers is something about being in those closed areas. So for many of our kids, we have not heard a, a concern about I can't breathe or half time, we just like, would you please take that off? You out of recess, you need to have that airflow. But it's almost like a sense of security for some of our kiddos. Yeah, like they're in incognito. Like, indeed indeed this is me <laughs> we over here identifying children by eyebrow patterns i'm like uh -uh, i know that's you <laughs> get back over there right um and i think what uh let's see so the um so the last one is basically like study tips i guess so tips to help their children succeed going forward um into the future because They've said that we're probably not going to get a vaccine worldwide to like April, 
So we got a couple more months of this. So just going forward, what what types of tips? I mean, not just study tips, but also life life tips it's as far as like being a student. Because that, that other aspect, as you said, it does matter. The family and all that, it does matter. Um, and I'm going to tie right back into that. Actually, we had three priorities going back into our <laughs> buildings um, from our leadership. And it was first, uh, health and wellness check. And then second, it was building relationships with the children. And last, and I literally mean last, academics. Um, that doesn't mean that academics are not important, but a kid can't learn if they are hungry, if they are tired, if they've been seeing some weird stuff at home that we're not aware of, like we we really had to slow down and do that. Um, so as far as the home side of it, we need that same support. Um, we really need to look at these kids. This is their first pandemic. Yes, we're struggling as adults, but if these kids aren't talking and telling you what they're really feeling, we're thinking they're okay. Some of our kids are just that, they are not okay. Um, and they're showing that they're not okay. And we have to pay attention to that and be empathetic. And then we've got to find the resources that these children need that they're not going to be able to tell us that they need. Um, so if we try to push them back into um, study, 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 and everything is normal, I know that's a philosophy that many have, take us back into something normal for the kids. We have to find a new normal for the children, and I'm not referring to wearing masks and washing hands. I'm referencing just making sure that their emotional, mental, their heart set is all right. Um, otherwise, they will shut down. They may not shut down today, and they may not shut down tomorrow, but it may be 10 years down the road that we were so busy trying to focus them on, and, and I'm looking right now more so at the high school age because we're still talking about colleges, and we're still talking about scholarships. Um, and, and I know those are super important things, but every organization is also placing into their curriculum and into their, um, into their grading implementation that we have to pay attention and be not, we don't just give the baby away with the bath water, but you know, we have to be lenient and we really have to dig deep. If a kid's going to fail, as Anderson was saying beforehand, we are really going to have to justify how in the world in the middle of a pandemic that I survived, I made it to school every day, I was fed and I had clean clothes on and I wore this mask and I'm, I'm trying to stay with you and I'm trying to learn, but there may be other things going on at home that you're going to fail me on top of that. Like there's going to have to be a strong justification for the, for that grading system. Um, and I know for our organization specifically, we've been given that guidance. Right, 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 and I, I agree. I agree that that can, that can, that could be the the final straw that breaks the kid's back, knowing that he put mm -hmm. forth, he or she put forth every effort and all their energy that they could muster, and then mm -hmm. they then turn around and fail on top of that. Like, if you haven't built up that resiliency, which most people like as kids, some people, some kids have it, some kids just don't, and to build up that resiliency, some don't get into their adult. So you have to you have to kind of like shield them in a way, you know, and find a different way to go about that. Indeed. And for those, you know, people who are working with children outside of the school, like like myself, um, in in the school setting, I, I feel like you know, the, the teachers, their 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 job is to educate, right? So they're educating. They're also secondarily, you know, paying attention to those things. You know, the 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 attitudes, the temperaments, the, the behavior of the kids, whereas 
alternatively, in those after school and after hour programs, ours is reversed. We're, we're looking at the attitudes, the behaviors, the resiliency, uh, and, then, and then helping them uh, with the academics, right? So I, I would say for, for those you know, who are in the after school part of it, definitely be more cognizant of, of the behaviors because we have a, we have a, a special area. Um, we, that for us is our time to, to do what we do by, by paying attention to those kids and giving them uh, that attention that they do not get in school or may not get at home, right? It's paying attention to the, <clears throat> the kid who comes in and sits to themselves uh, and doesn't interact with anyone else. Right, because in school you're 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 going from place to place, and you're all sitting in, in rows. You're sitting in columns or what have you. Mm-hmm. So there's never a time where, where they kind of don't look as if they're not involved. You may sense that they're not involved in, in you know dialogue between the student and the teacher. But with us, when you come in and you're in this huge facility, and you have 20 kids on this side and one kid just always over by themselves, that's where you know. Um, us, us as staff have to uh, intercede there. And, and it may just be us literally just asking, hey, are, are you good? You need anything, right? And, and in some instances, inserting yourself, you know, paying attention to uh, what, what kind of game they're playing or, or seeing them out and about and, 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 and noticing that they like this or like that, and then provide that when they come into your program uh, to, give them someone to, to talk to, some, some sense of positivity, I, I guess. Um, I, I think that's huge. Um, there, you know, there, there have been a time or two where we've actually done what we were supposed to do and found that a kid was looking at, you know, hurting themselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so so if, you're, if you're doing that, I, I think you can uh, really be helpful, you know, on that, on that after school side for sure. All right, all right. Um, well, I think um, that just about covers it. Um, I want to again thank you both for coming on. Um, uh, we got to do this again sometime soon. Maybe not as a podcast, but I mean, it, it's good talking to you guys. <laughs> um, indeed, and we tried to hold out, but it looked like our, the third member of our family was just done. He wasn't going to let this show go on without making an appearance. So this is soul. <laughs> like I gotta get my shine on. Indeed, he was doing so well. And then he started jumping on knees and I was like, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was very good to see you, Byron. And thank you for inviting us to spend some time with you today. Yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both, Anderson and Tiffany. Uh, this has been episode 12. <laughs>